This is Sid Roth saying, Shalom Mishpacha. Mishpacha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishpacha, the family with a Jewish heart. Welcome to today's edition of Messianic Vision and another appointment for you to be mentored to fulfill your destiny with one of our It's Supernatural guests. And now, here's your host for this program, It's Supernatural television producer, Ryan Bruss. Thank you, Sid. Today on Messianic Vision, our guest is Joe Odin. And Joe, I've known you since 1997. We went to Bible school together in the Brownsville Revival. Uh, We did some uh, street ministry together. And one thing that's always, uh, I've always admired about you, Joe, is your heart for the lost and your passion. And that I remember, again, Joe, this is uh, over 20 years ago, how yeah. uh, you just went for it back then. When I say went for it, you didn't care who you were talking to, who you were witnessing to. You didn't care about any of that stuff. You just wanted to preach the gospel to whoever would listen. And you're exactly the same today. Why, what, why are you so passionate? Well, you know, Ron, uh, I've never forgotten where God has brought me from. Uh, you know, I haven't always been an evangelist. I haven't always been a preacher of the gospel. You know, 25 years ago, I was addicted to drugs and alcohol and everything that goes along with that lifestyle. And oddly enough, one night I was doing LSD, experiencing what appeared to be an overdose. My back was wrenched. I, I turned on a Christian television at about a uh, show at about midnight, which uh, that's a wild combination LSD and Christian TV at the same time. (laughs) And uh, there was uh, a man that was preaching, and I wouldn't have stayed long, I promise, but he stops. I'm literally contemplating going to the emergency room. He he points his finger in the camera, and he said, there's some young people watching this program. You're hooked on drugs. You're in a deep, dark cave of drug addiction, but I have good news for you. Jesus Christ is in the cave with you, and he's going to bring you out, and you're going to preach the gospel around the United States of America. When he said that, Ryan, the power of God hit me. I was instantly sobered off of LSD, and the Spirit of God came upon me, but I didn't get saved, but I had an encounter. I had an encounter with with God in such a way, uh, you know, if you're eating lunch and you get a stain on your shirt with enough bleach and detergent, it comes out. But when you have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, it has staying power. And although everything on the outside was antithetical to what was God was doing on the inside, I knew I was called to preach. I'd be at a party strung out on drugs. My first prophetic word was before I was saved. I would get people's attention at a keg party, and I would, I would declare to everyone at the party, one day I'm going to preach the gospel around America with cocaine in my pocket. Um, I was calling things as though – they were, even though they were not. And I began to pray every night before I'd go to bed that God would get me in church. Fast forward, um, I had an encounter with what appeared to be undercover police officers in Gulf Shores, Alabama during spring break, had drugs on me, tried to fight one of them, went straight to jail. I'm in and out of jail. And I'm praying that God would get me in church. I'm still prophetically declaring, not even understanding the power of life and death is in the tongue that I'm going to preach. And one time I go before the judge. He just let me out of jail early from a year sentence. And he said, you've got to go to AA. You've got to go to NA. 
And then, Ryan, he says, you got to go to church on Sunday. Wow. So God answered my prayer um, in a mysterious way. He sent a judge sanctioned by the law. Court ordered me to go to church, and I wasn't a juvenile. I was an adult. Right. Six six months into my church sentence, I found a little Assembly of God church in southern Alabama. I walked in about five minutes late, and I believe the greatest litmus test to know if God is in the room is unbelievers, people that don't know God. And I remember walking in to that service, sensing the presence of God. I began to have open-eyed visions of the things of God. And there was a team from Pensacola, Florida, the Brownsville Revival. Now, for those who don't know, for, that night. for those who don't know what the Brownsville Revival is, give, give a, a quick snapshot. Yeah, Brownsville was a historic revival that actually lasted longer than Azusa Street. It was a church uh, out of Pensacola, Florida, that got hungry for revival, began to pray. Evangelist Steve Hill was an evangelist hungry for revival that was praying, was touched at a revival in England, came. It was supposed to be one service. It lasted five years. Millions came through and hundreds of thousands were saved. This was a traveling team that was sent out from the revival that happened to come to the church I was court-ordered to go to, and the preacher's name was Bob Gladstone that night. He begins to preach. And I'm arrested by the Spirit. He gives an altar call. I run to the altar. I get on my knees. I repent of everything that I could think of. I'm not just asking God to forgive me. I'm repenting of my sins. There's a big difference between asking God and confession. Confession is not a substitute for repentance. And I really repented of my sins. I stood up for the first time in my life, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, clean and transformed. Bob walked over to me. He said, what do you need from God? I didn't know what to say. So I said, I'd like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He laid hands on me. The next thing I know, I'm flying back under the power of God, land on my back. I was the first person that he prayed for. The power of God hits the room. And I was totally set free from drugs and alcohol. I, I, the first thing I thought was, Lord, this is like I've done a lot of good drugs. And I get up off of the floor, and I said something then that I still say today that changed my life in a profound way. I said, God, if my friends that are hooked on dope could feel this power that's running through my body, they get born again. Wow. I said, Jesus, my life for the gospel. I walked in that night bound by hell, death, and the grave. I walked out set free, baptized in fire called to be an evangelist. Joe, it's no wonder why your brand new book is called The Lightnings of God, How to Be a Transmitter for the Power of God. You, from the moment you were born again at that altar, you haven't been encountering uh, the power of God all these years. Yes, absolutely. Uh, today, uh, you know, every day, uh, I believe that as ministers of the gospel, we must walk in a coherent, fresh, up-to-date encounter with the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ. It is paramount. The early apostles were continually filled with the Spirit and continually used. It's, it's mind-boggling when you read the book of Acts. Acts 1.14, they prayed and there was an outpouring in Acts 2. 
at the end of Acts 2, it said they devoted themselves to prayer. Acts 3, 1, Peter heals the sick. At the end of Acts 4, they're filled again in a prayer meeting, and Acts 5 breaks loose. Acts 6, Peter says we've got to devote ourselves to prayer, and Acts 8, Stephen moves in mighty signs, wonders, and miracles. They were continually filled and continually used. And on that note, Joe, you in your book talk about and I know we talk about this a lot just as Christians, but the importance of prayer. But you teach, hey, listen, everything begins and ends with prayer, period. Yes, absolutely. I believe it is our lifeline to Christ, to the Holy Spirit. We must spend time with God. If if we don't spend time with God— we're going to be ineffective. Luke, throughout the book of Acts, Jesus throughout the Gospels, the writers led by the Spirit articulately penned these Jesus and the apostles' times of prayer. That means Luke, Matthew, Mark, and John are shouting at us that if we're going to imitate Christ— We've got to be a people of prayer, and if we want apostolic power to be restored, it's not about how much we read or the sermons we listen to are about church attendance. It's the secret place, crying out to God and meeting Him there if we're ever going to affect the world around us. Why is it, though, Joe, uh, prayer is so hard for Christians to commit to when everything really is is supposed to be central around prayer. Why do we have so much difficulty praying, going after God, when He is all we need, when He is the answer, when He is the miracle worker, when the place of prayer is where we get answers from God, where we receive from heaven? Why do we stay out of that place uh, of prayer, you know, in, in this Christian life? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question, Ron. I think— a couple of things. Uh, one, uh, you know, everybody has a handheld device that's got the internet on it, the news on it, stock market on it, Facebook, our emails. When we get home, 99% of the country has a television. They turn on the TV, they watch the news, they watch a baseball game, a sitcom. There's so many distractions. And I believe that for me personally, not every time do I begin to pray, do I feel heaven begin to open, do I feel a visitation. But just because I don't sense or feel or have an emotion does not mean that I am not drawing near to God. Exactly. And I believe that in the society we live in, even in church, Wigglesworth said in the last days that his concern, he felt prophetically, that we would sing to God and not pray to God. So we have a worship leader that entertains us, a charismatic speaker that gives us words and charismatic ability to communicate. There's very little prayer even in our churches. So how are people going to learn how to pray in their living room if their pastor's not leading them at the altar? So I believe it starts in church— And, you know, you don't learn how to pray just by reading a book. You learn how to pray by being with people that pray. Last, 
it's a crucifixion oftentimes of the flesh because oftentimes the Lord is not like a jack-in-the-box where you turn it a couple times and he pops out, that you have to crucify your flesh, quiet your mind, stop, and listen. And then, and then lastly, you have to have a time of prayer. Uh, you know, a lot of times people don't set times to pray, so they never pray. The apostles, it was three o'clock. We know of that. And so I believe everyone listening to me right now, you need to have a time where you pray, whether it's early in the morning, late at night, in the afternoon. You need to prepare a time where everything is shut down in your life where you seek his face. I love that. And I think that if more of us did that, we would see you know great results through prayer, the supernatural, God moving, answers being given. It would change everything. And one thing that I see with your life, Joe, is out of that place of prayer, you feel a release to reach the world around you. And you have so many uh, testimonies of God using you. And you're one of those like me, Joe. God, God will use anybody that's willing. Talk about that encounter uh, uh, with that guy that was in the witchcraft section in the bookstore. Yeah, Ron. You know, back to what I shared on the front end, you know, I felt, God, if, if my friends could feel this power that's running through my body, they'd get born again. And my, my heartbeat is America doesn't need another definition of Christianity. It needs a demonstration. There you go. So I would ask people and still do a simple question. I wouldn't go into the four spiritual laws, although I do that. I think it's wonderful. I don't break down the book of Romans. When I talk to people, I'll ask them, have you ever felt the power of God? And I was, uh, and I like to go to places that where people really need an encounter, like a raw encounter with God. Uh, so uh, I would go to a local bookstore. If I said the name, it would be very familiar to folks. And they got a great section for believers to witness in, uh, the witchcraft section. So anytime I go to a bookstore, to this day, Ron, I go to the witchcraft section. It doesn't matter if it's Books a Million, Barnes & Noble, uh, doesn't matter where I'm at. I go to the witchcraft section to see if there's a witch, warlock, Satanist, uh, psychic, because the Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. And so I was there one particular night, and I just walked over to a guy. I didn't know if he's a warlock or what he was. I just said, hey, are there any power in these books? He gives me this long testimony of an encounter he had with a demon that manifested in his room. And when he got done, I just said, you know, there's a lot more power in the Holy Spirit and Jesus than that devil. Well, he didn't say, amen, let's have a word of prayer. <laughs> you know, he, he wanted to punch me in the face. And so he's violently going off on me. And when he got finished, I, I said, um, I asked him, I said, have you ever felt the power of God? He said, no. I said, would you like to? He said, yes. I said, can I lay hands on you? He said, yes. I took my hand, I laid it on him. I said, Lord, I pray that when he gets back to his truck, the fire of the Holy Ghost would fall on him. I, I normally prayed right then and there that God would move. Pulled my hand off. He said, how did you know I had a truck? 
I said, well, God spoke to me. He left, I left. One year later, Ron, I'm about to do an outreach. And this individual that was with me said, hey, I was in a church service six weeks ago. This gentleman stands up in the middle of the service. He says, i got to interrupt this service, and I've got to tell everybody how I got saved. He said, I was in Barnes & Noble in the witchcraft section of the bookstore, and this wild-eyed, crazy guy came over to me and started telling me about Jesus. He said, I was about to punch him in the face, but then he laid hands on me and prayed for me. And when he walked away, the fire of God fell on me. And I've been living for God ever since. Man, that's awesome. The Bible says in Corinthians 4.18, do not fix your eyes on what you can see, but on what you cannot see. For what you can see is temporary, but what you cannot see is eternal. And the reason so many people don't witness to people in the witchcraft section or wherever they may be, they won't articulate it like this because they're good Christians, but their faith is more anchored in the bondage that's in front of them that they can see than the God they cannot see. I want to tell our listeners today that drug addiction, alcoholism, witchcraft, Buddhism, Islam, it has an expiration date on the back of it. But the kingdom of our God, the blood of Jesus, has zero expiration upon it and we need to focus not on what we can see but on what we can't that is so good joe and and you talk in your book about what the bible says that we are ambassadors and with all that you've seen uh you you do go from church to church and preach the gospel but you are and because i know you very very well we know each other for a long time even though you go from church to church you you would sit down uh, with anybody, anywhere, and talk to them about the Lord, because you have a divine revelation of being an ambassador for the King. Explain to the people at home what that really means and how that is demonstrated in our day-to-day life. Yeah, that's a that's a great question, Ron. It, it really about makes me want to cry as I think about being an ambassador for Christ. And that every believer that's listening to us, that's washed in the blood of the Lamb, are ambassadors as well. But the devil has done a phenomenal job at making people think that God only uses a super apostle or a well-known evangelist. They don't understand what an ambassador really is. It's uh, the best way I know how to describe it. If uh, I were driving to my post office near my house and there was an accident and there was a police chief that had served my city, I live in the Dallas Metroplex for 40 years in his civilian clothes telling me to stop, I might question. But a private first day on the job, hasn't even been a police officer for a full day, could put up his hand and I'd immediately stop. Not because of his position, but because of his badge and what that badge represents. And I might ignore the guy that's the chief if he's not in uniform. And we as ambassadors of Christ have an authority that we do not understand often. It's not about who we are, just like it wasn't about that private. It's about who he represents and what that badge stands for. And as believers, we are ambassadors, and we have the Holy Spirit 
whose authority we operate in and use. So it doesn't matter if you feel anointed. That I think so many people they base their uh, outreach and walk with God and witness to others on what they feel or sense or emotion instead of taking verses like this that we're an ambassador of Christ by faith and stepping out in it and saying it doesn't matter what I feel or sense. I'm an ambassador. God has given me power and authority, and I'm going to speak out. I'm going to step out and move out and believe God to come. So good. And Joe, you talk all about this in your new book, The Lightnings of God, How to Be a Transmitter for the Power of God. Uh, what What is this book? When people begin to read this, what is it going to do for them? What are they going to What are they going to sense? What are they going to encounter? What are you What is your prayer for them as they read this book? Yeah. My prayer for them is it doesn't matter if you got saved yesterday at church or five minutes ago or you've been saved 40 years, that it is the will of God for every believer to walk in supernatural power. I'll just share a story to really uh, capsulize that. When when I first got saved, I got hit by the power of God, and I began to pray for that, Ron. I began to pray, God, give me an anointing that, that Bob Gladstone had, and, and it's funny to knock people out. But what I was praying was lukewarm, but I didn't realize that. I didn't have the verbiage. I was praying, God, give me the same, give me a lukewarm anointing that uh, I would be able, by the Spirit of God, to set the captive free, open the eyes of the blind, release the prisoner. And so at my church one Sunday, I prayed for a guy. He got hit by the power three months after I was saved. And I said, God, if you could do this in my home church, you could do this anywhere. So I began to go to the deepest, darkest part of my city where prostitutes, pimps, drag queens, crack crack dealers, um, every kind of drug you can get right there. And I would go to that place and I would lay hands on people and nothing happened for a year, Ryan. I went every Friday and Saturday night, oftentimes by myself, nothing happening. But I didn't build a theology around what God wasn't doing. I was building a theology around what God said he would do in his word. So I wasn't going off emotions or feelings. I was going in off of the Word of God. And he said in Mark 16 that believers in his name would lay hands on the sick and they would recover. They would cast out demons. And so that's what I was going on. And about a year into this, I, I laid hands on a guy about midnight. I'm on the fifth day of a fast, praying that God would move. I laid hands on a guy that was battling homosexuality and he was hit by the power of God, fell on the ground, had no frame of reference for it, got up, got saved, and left. So my heart for people reading this book would be able to catch a reference, and there would be some guideposts to help them continue to move and step out and believe God 
and build a prayer life and that it would give them encouragement to keep moving forward until they see God manifest through them and they write a book and come on your show and talk about how God uses them. I love it, Joe, and I love how you said that it will give you guideposts because, you know, that's what people need. They need, you know, okay, I got this far, what do I do next? And I got this far, what do I do next? And your book does that. And you also did an exclusive uh, two-CD set for us about operating in the gifts of the Spirit and a bonus CD of walking in the believer's authority. And so you at home, you're going to love this teaching. It's going to impact you deeply. And, and uh, Joe, you say that Jesus is a one-step program. What does that mean? Yeah, uh, I want to be sensitive in the way that I say this. Ryan, because I believe there are times where people have life bondages if they have been abused or had a traumatic event in their life that need counseling. You know, I believe that God uses different programs that are secular to help people, but I also believe in deliverance. I also believe in John chapter 4, where a woman who had five divorces was the town harlot, had no frame, met Jesus, and was completely delivered in a moment and began to preach the kingdom of God within hours. So I don't want to minimize different things that help people, especially coming out of serious bondage. But I also believe that as God saved me and delivered me from drugs in a moment, that when you go to God, he can deliver you. He can set you free. He can bring you out of the bondage that you're in. He can open your blind eyes physically. He can heal your cancer. He can raise the dead. In a moment, God can do that. So uh, I say that we need to believe God for the supernatural, miraculous power of God, that God can do it now and God can do it at any moment, and that we don't need a six-month process to get healed. It sounds to me like Jeremiah 33.3, call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things. Yeah, amen. Joe, you, had, uh, you have a testimony about a man at a bar that got saved, delivered, and spirit-filled in less than five minutes. Uh, tell that story. Yeah. yeah, you know, a mutual friend with us that I've shared this story with him around. I won't mention his last name, but Fabian. Fabian and I were doing some ministry, and it was really the first uh, bar that I'd ever drank in. Now I'm back doing ministry there. And uh, Fabian was arguing with this guy about Christ. He's, this is a bold evangelist, and they're going back and forth. And so I'm watching it for about five minutes, and I just thought, he's not getting very far. So I walked over, and I just asked the guy, uh, have you ever felt the power of God? He said, no. I said, would you like to? He said, yes. So I laid hands on him, and I said, Lord, send your fire. And when I did, I took my hand off of him. He said, I want to get saved right now. I led him to Christ. I laid hands on him again. I said, fire a second time. And God is my witness, Ryan. He doubles over 
under the power of God, and he begins to pray in the Holy Ghost. He, he, he comes back up straight, and I just said, what happened? He said, I have no idea. So I laid hands on him again. I yelled fire again. He doubles over again. Comes back up. I said, have you ever done that before? He said, never in my life. And right before that, what I forgot to mention is before he began to pray in the Spirit, it was actually the second time I laid hands on him. He doubles over and begins to manifest demons. He's throwing up on the sidewalk. He gets totally delivered of demons. Then we lay hands on him. He doubles over twice and prays in the Spirit. Never heard of that, never done that before. He got saved, delivered of demon possession, and baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues in less than five minutes. Why? Because we are an ambassador of Christ, because we do not fix our eyes on what we can see, but on what we cannot see, and because we prepare ourselves in the secret place of prayer, and we don't just go out with content, but we go out empowered, as we've talked about already today. And Joe, part of that is how you teach that we are to stay perpetually filled with the Spirit. How does Joe Odin stay filled up? Now, I know that we all have, who are born again, we have the Spirit of God living within us, but how do we, how do we live to overflowing so it, it spills out, so to speak, wherever we go? You know, I think it's, it's so... You know, people probably right now are looking for a profound answer. They're looking, they're thinking, "Wow, I've got my pen out. What's gonna, what's Joe gonna say that's gonna be this fresh, nuanced revelation?" Really, there's not a fresh, nuanced revelation. It is shutting things down in your life. So for me, um. I really believe Acts 6-4. Acts 6-4 states Peter is addressing a church problem, and he's just basically saying we're going to devote ourselves to the Word and prayer, and we can't tend to the day-to-day. The widows in that moment, that was a big deal. That was a God thing. That was something that God sanctioned the church do, but Peter said our job is not to do this. It wasn't that they were above it. But Peter said, God has called us to pray, to study, and to proclaim. So for me as a minister, what I try to do, when you called, I just finished praying today, Ron. I don't schedule anything beyond my control before noon on a daily basis. And I try to spend from the time I wake up till noon every day in the presence of God. And it's just asking him to come. It's asking him that he'll fill the room. It's asking him that I can feel his presence. It's it's praying for an, an empowerment of the spirit in my family, listening to worship music and meditating on the word of God. That is the only way that I can stay perpetually filled, and it's taking control over my schedule and putting it in. And it sounds like, Joe, that is the core of everything that you do for God 
is your relationship with God. John 15, abiding with the Lord. Yes. And that's why you see yes. so many wonderful miracles and signs and wonders. And Joe, uh, I've known you for years and years and years. You, you advocate that this is for everybody. For everybody. Every, for everybody. Everybody can experience the power and presence of God. Everybody can say to the cashier, uh, do you want to feel God's presence and power? Now, let me ask you this. Uh, for those who are listening today, Joe, that are struggling uh, maybe with their faith, they're struggling with their, their uh, sickness in their body, uh, they're struggling with their marriage, what would you say to those people about staying filled with God in the midst of crisis? I would say staying filled with God in the midst of crisis is is more intense but it's the same battle you know you're you're a minister too ryan and you travel all over the world and um you you, you're a producer you have a lot of responsibility i have a lot of responsibility so whenever i go to pray you know like today i mean i'm working on many things uh, in the ministry this afternoon. So when I go to pray, I've got eight things I've got to take care of. I have people that work with me. Uh, so I've got to shut that off. I've got to Corinthians 10, 4, and 5 to cast down every thought and imagination. And that's not always demonic. It's just a principle to, to cast down every thought and imagination and begin to rest in God. So whether it's financial, whether it's health, God wants us to practice. And a lot of times it's a lot easier said than done. And people could say, well, that's easier for you to say, you know, your son doesn't have cancer or you didn't just fill in the blank. It's still the same principle. We've got to discipline our mind, quiet it, and get in a place to meditate and to pray and to hear God. That is something that is not taught. It is caught. You're not going to learn that by going to a revival meeting or even a prayer seminar. You're going to learn it by praying and it's it's just something that we must do, and our flesh doesn't want to do it. Our flesh wants to get on the Internet. Our flesh wants to call a friend. Our flesh wants to check the news. Our flesh wants to do everything else, but we've got to discipline it, make it subject to the Spirit, silence it, so we can let God minister to us. So good. And I really feel the presence of the Lord, Joe, as you're talking. And uh, we have time for one more story before we have you pray for the people that are listening to, okay. to this. Uh, tell, tell us the story about the lady that was set free of depression and healed. Yeah, yeah. We were doing a—we uh, train and equip churches in evangelism. And I was actually doing an outreach for— uh, one of our late heroes, uh, Steve Hill, and um, I was uh, knocking on doors. The third door I went to, I knocked on the door, and 
I still believe in door-to-door evangelism. So do I. Uh, you know, so do I. <laughs> people that say that doesn't work, you know, it's like saying the gospel doesn't work. What do you mean? <laughs> it, it's, it, it works. It works. Uh, all you have to do, Joe, all you have to do is walk up to a door and say, is there anything I can pray with this family about? And almost always they're like, wow, sure. You know, there's always something uh, to pray for, and that's your open door. Yes, yes. So, and that's basically what we were doing this day. That's that's exactly how we train people. And I was just, I was like in my second or third sentence, and this lady begins to shut the door in our face. So when she did, now I don't do this in every door. This is not like, okay, this is what you do and somebody doesn't want to talk. The Spirit of the Lord spoke to me, gave me an impression. People say, well, do you hear an audible voice? No. Do you hear sentences? I don't. I get impressions, and I felt the Lord speak to me. She's depressed. Rebuke it. So there's about an inch left of the door, and I shouted, I rebuke that spirit of depression (laughs) off your life. Well, when I said that, the door swung wide open. The screen door was wide open. She comes out. Before she got to the porch, she's weeping uncontrollably. I didn't know the person I was with at the time. It's a whole other story, but that was the first time I ever met my partner, the church partner with me with, and we got married. <laughs> it's a great story. But I didn't know Tricia. I didn't know the lady. And I, the next thing I say, put your hand on her stomach now. Now, this is not what you do. You, you know, as you're uh, – don't say, well, this is going to be my strategy to do door-to-door evangelism. You've got to be led by the Spirit. She lays hands on her stomach. Well, she came to church the next night. She said she'd been depressed and hadn't left her house for three months and had an infirmity in her stomach for over 30 years, and God began a miracle right there. It's just stepping out. Nothing times nothing equals nothing. And oftentimes, it's in our walk of faith that God shows us. You know, I love what evangelist Reinhard Bonnke said. He said, you can get on your knees and pray 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and the world's going to go to hell. It's not until someone gets up off of their knees and begins to move. And if you want to move in the prophetic, my encouragement to you is move on what you know to do and step out in what you hear God say. Absolutely. And Joe, the people listening to this, they need to get your brand new book, The Lightnings of God, How to Be a Transmitter for the Power of God. And listen, I'm going to put my little personal plug in here. I don't know everybody that I interview as well as I do Joe Odin, and I can tell you uh, my stamp is on this man of God, his life, his ministry, this book. And if you want to be flowing in the presence and power of God, be used by God, let Joe train you to do those things through the CD set, through this book. I'm telling you, you will be captivated and you will be excited to bring the gospel uh, to your family, to your friends, everywhere you go. And not just that, you're going to learn how God wants to move in your own life and how you can personally experience the presence of God. Joe, would you just pray for the people that are listening? Absolutely, I would. Absolutely. I just want to say to you as you're listening, just gently lift your hands. Open your heart right now. I think some of you, as I've been sharing, even though... I've been sharing in a life-giving manner, in an encouraging manner. The devil's a deceiver and a condemner. 
And some of you are thinking right now, boy, I, I missed it here. I felt this impression there. I don't witness enough. No, that's not God. I break that off of you right now in the name of Jesus Christ. I want to say to you what God says of you. You're an ambassador of the kingdom of God. You are the head and you're not the tail. The same Holy Spirit that baptized Jesus Christ is on the inside of you. The same Holy Spirit that filled Paul in Acts 9 is in you. The same Holy Spirit that filled Peter in Acts 2 is in you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And in Jesus' name, you're going to begin to make a step. You're going to begin to step out. You're going to begin to make a proclamation. You're going to begin to move in the gifts of the Spirit. You're not going to let a past experience failure or what you didn't do hinder what you're going to do. Your past is in your future. You can't do anything about it. Lift up your head and move forward in Jesus' name. I decree over every listener right now, you have what you need to move in the power of God. Ephesians 1, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead abides on the inside of you. He's looking for a coming out party. In Jesus' name, it's time. I declare over your prayer life that you're going to seek God like you never have, and you're going to move in power like you never have before in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that, that there are individuals that are receiving gifts of healing right now. There are individuals that are receiving prophetic gifts right now, and there are people that are receiving miracles right now in Jesus' name in their car, in their living room, wherever they may be, release it, Holy Spirit, loose it, and bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So exciting. You've been listening to Messianic Vision with our guest, Joe Odin, and now here's Sid to tell you how you can get this special resource. Joe Odin wants to mentor you in walking in the supernatural power and authority that Jesus died to give you. In his brand new book, the Lightnings of God, How to Be a Transmitter for the Power of God, an exclusive to CD set, Your Supernatural Gifts, a master class to operating in the gifts of the Spirit. You will learn how to position yourself for encounters with God's fire, how to walk in the gifts of the Spirit by the power of the Spirit, and how to release God encounters to those all around you. Also, in his exclusive bonus CD, Walking in the Believer's Authority, you will learn how you carry the same authority Jesus did and how you can see the same supernatural results Jesus did in your own life. Call now for Joe's brand new book, The Lightnings of God, How to Be a Transmitter for the Power of God, an exclusive two CD set, Your Supernatural Gifts, a master class to operating in the gifts of the Spirit, an exclusive bonus CD, Walking in the Believer's Authority, for an investment of 29 U.S. dollars. To order, call 1-800-447-2697. That's 1-800-447-2697. Or go to our website at sidroth.org. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H dot O-R-G. Joe Odin's brand new book, The Lightnings of God, How to Be a Transmitter for the Power of God, an exclusive two-CD set, 
your supernatural gifts, a master class to operating in the gifts of the Spirit, an exclusive bonus CD, Walking in the Believer's Authority. Offer number 9689 for an investment of 29 U.S. dollars. Be sure to ask for offer number 9689. Once again, that's offer number 9689.